0: Hello, this is Kevin Smith from the BBC Gardeners World magazine podcast. If you love all things gardening, join us at BBC Gardeners World Live from the 13th to the 16th of June at Birmingham's NEC. Find out more at bbcgardenersworldlive.com. See you there. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your Dad is more than just a Dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts.
1: Is growing and cooking fresh food from the garden high on your wish list? Do you want to whip up dishes using homegrown ingredients, but don't know which fruits, vegetables and herbs to try first? Hello, I'm Lucy. Welcome to this episode. Today I'm chatting to Michelin-starred chef Marcus Waring about why he swapped his chef's whites for life in the kitchen garden. As he spends more time expanding his smallholding in the East Sussex countryside, Marcus is the first to admit getting to grips with growing food has been one heck of a learning curve. I started by asking Marcus to pinpoint the exact moment when he decided to embark on this new adventure.
0: It started, well, um a lot quite a long time ago. The 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 TV show idea just sort of morphed from from curiosity, really. And there was never really ever a big plan to do this. Um I bought the house and the place, uh, the land four and a half years ago. Uh and the actually, there was a kitchen garden there um that was sort of on overgrown didn't really see what was underneath everything and one year, one Easter actually, I happened to just knock it all back and discover that it was all laid out, it had all these different elements to it, sectioning off and these beautiful um, sleepers that were sectioning everything off as as you saw on the TV show and it all started to sort of stem from there. My curiosity uh, was piqued when I sort of ripped everything back to, to, to the soil. And the idea came about with a conversation with with uh, a head of one of the ladies at uh, BBC. Um, it was actually I was on a Zoom meeting, probably about a year and a half, two years ago, actually, trying to discussing TV work and different things. And for about an hour and a half of this meeting, uh, the last ten minutes, he asked me, I, "I've read that you've got a small holding. Um, tell me all about it." And that's when I think I became incredibly uh, enthralled in my new adventure and probably slightly animated and probably a lot more exciting than the hour previously. And I think that's where it all started. That's where it began on that Zoom meeting when I was asked all about something that I'd never really discussed with anybody before
1: that's it and obviously clearly then a, a secret passion within you spurred and, and that conversation obviously turned into such something much bigger and um, so when you were initially planning um, out and developing the garden um, so where did you start so obviously w- was it the crops and um, was it the dishes with you obviously being um, an amazing chef um, or you know were you thinking, right? Well, how will my kitchen garden look visually? What was the kind of starting um, input for you?
0: It was the opportunity I saw under my own nose once I cleared it back um, one Easter um, and could see that there was a format, there was a layout already that had been made by the previous owners. Um, and obviously, Anatoly, who was in the show, uh, was still working on the on in the on the land for for me. And so, where it began, I saw an opportunity. Actually, it was the orchard, the apple orchard that's been there for 20-odd years now, produces every year. Lots and lots of Bramleys and eating apples, but mostly Bramleys. And you can't do anything with them. There's only so much apple puree you can cook and make and apple pies. And so for me, it was what am I going to do? Rather than throw it away or waste it, it's just too, it was too much to give away. I decided to juice it, bottle it up, and send it to the restaurant. And I was giving it away to my customers as little gifts at the end of a meal, so in beautiful little bottles. Um, and then I'm thinking, well, if I can do that with this, I've got plums over there, I've got apples, I've, I've got the, the the kitchen garden coming to life with lots of herbs and we've got fig trees everywhere and grapevines. I started then to think, I can't waste this. It's not in my DNA. I'm going to do something with it. So I started to introduce it onto my menus at the restaurant at the Barclay. Um, and then at, once I started that, I could see that there was a whole story for my menus that I could bring this place into my menus here in London. And so... I started to connect the two together, and as the years went by, developing the the kitchen garden with Anatoly has been has been incredibly exciting. But it's also a learning curve and a learning journey that I've been on. And, and to be fair, I'm only just dip, dipping my toe into the water of a very, very complex and varied uh, world of growing. It's extraordinary, and it's uh, so much knowledge out there. I, I have. I have, I have it's, it's where do you begin? <laughs>
1: I know, and I think you know you, you're always learning, aren't you? I always think whether you know you've been gardening for twenty years or two, it, you know, every day is a school day when it comes to gardening, and and you meet different people along the way, and you swap notes, and and that's actually what's so nice on the show, seeing the the two of you in the garden together, and you know you can tell that you know Anatoly's got this amazing knowledge there, and the two of you bouncing together with your culinary knowledge and and his. Um, so can you talk us through a typical day in the kitchen garden for you, um, when when you're not in London and you head out to the the kitchen garden out out to Sussex for the, the weekend or whenever it may be in the week what's your typical day
0: well then what I do first thing I do is I, I my typical day is about looking what Alatoli's been doing for, for for the week and he's always up to something he's always planting something he's always getting something ready for the for the season the spring seasoning and I look at it as a I've got the farm with the acres of the animals on that farmer Stewart looks after that then you've got the garden itself and then the kitchen garden and the orchard and I look for jobs and the main job in front of me is always the lawns and and the the cutting back of everything and making sure that everything's in a you know really nice order when it comes to the kitchen garden I sort of home in on a certain area of it and work that so that could be could be a lot of weeding it could be uh, cutting back typical day is spending all day in the garden until I'm called in because I've been out there all day by Jane um but it's It's cutting back. It's thinking about the future and also planning and trying to top up what Anatoly's been doing during the week. But also, I don't want to disturb what he's doing. I don't want to sort of take over because I'm not there all the time. I think for me, it's really important that I skirt around the outside of it. And as I get older and I get closer to it, I'll start to get a lot more involved. And I think that's where my knowledge will start to grow And that's where the TV show comes into the equation because that's the beginning of the journey. So hopefully we can continue that story year on year. That's the plan anyway.
1: So so is it definitely then um you know a combined effort with the two of you about you know how you're um adding crops in and so you know he'll like you say you'll you'll come into the garden maybe midweek and and then maybe you'll see you'll have an idea, you've seen something that you've been working on in the week in London and and you you come up together with these ideas for new crops and you know how to switch in new crops and varieties. It's very much a joint effort for you two.
0: Yeah, it is a joint effort, and I think he he gets on and does what his what he does as his as his job. Um, I'm thinking of well, I don't give him too many rules because I actually quite like the freedom. It's a little bit like growing and mother nature in general. I think when you put too many rules in place, it can become too complicated. And at this stage, it's about keeping it simple. So I see what's coming and it adds into the garden, whether that's horseradish, Jerusalem artichokes, globe artichokes. We've added new uh, different types of fruit into the garden. So I just look at those and think, right, what am I going to be doing with them? And that really does inspire me to introduce them into my menus. So for instance, we've got figs, a lot of fig trees everywhere. And um, the fig itself Because they ripen at such different stages, it's not the sort of thing that I can put on my menus because you're you're battling with the birds, the squirrels, and the sun and the rain. But what I get from them is the leaf. So I use the fig leaf, which is in abundance, and use those for infusions of syrups and ice creams. Um, So whereas the fig itself is just not enough of it. So I'd rather home in on the the sort of secondary part of the plant and, and use it in a different way because it's plentiful. And the squirrels and the birds don't eat the leaves.
1: No, no. Well, I've learned something there. Definitely with fig leaves. It's yeah, it's interesting. I would definitely like to try that. Yeah, it's, um, lo- it's
0: lovely. And there's a lovely aniseed flavour that sits behind them. The fig, the fig leaf has got a almost an almondy aniseedy flavour, and that that was really comes out in because it's such a strong flavour in the leaf and so bitter and sour when you eat it. But when you infuse it, it brings out a completely different uh, flavour.
1: Yeah. oh wow no it sounds sounds delicious um so obviously that was quite a kind of unusual crop maybe some would say so you know kind of what what are your go-to crops um you know the the vibrancy of the kitchen garden in the height of growing season you know you can't beat it there's so much there but you know what are your go-tos what are the ones you kind of really make a beeline for
0: uh that has to be the the herbs the herbs the so many different varieties of herbs i say the herbs tomatoes i say the herbs all of the herbs outside and the greenhouse, which has got the tomatoes, the cucumbers, and just an abundance of basil. And when you walk into that greenhouse, it just smells incredible. But out of, I think my real go-to will always be the herbs, the flowers, and I think the lavender because the lavender is in abundance, and I've planted so much of it. Uh, I use it in various different ways. It's not just a flower. It's not just a, something that looks good in the garden. It's a, it's a product. It's a, it's an ingredient that I use quite a lot in marinades, in jams uh for for salads and things like that and just for cutting and just creating bunches and putting them in baskets in the bedrooms and things like that it's great
1: that's it nothing's wasted then is it you know it's always nice when you can find those multi-layered purposes for for crops um and, and you've spoken a lot about flavour there and um, clearly that's something that's very important in, in what you're growing. So, you know, that was exactly that. How important is flavour in what you grow?
0: Oh, it's, it's crucial, the flavour, because I think from a growing, I've always taken everything for granted in the garden and ever since I've made the show, um, I've realised the importance of moving things around, good composting, good feeding of the soil, nurturing the flowers and the plants and just really care and so by doing that, what I've learned with the livestock, for instance, is that the livestock animals that we brought onto the small holding, um, they had the whole point of bringing them was looking for artists and things, artists and products and produce that um, has an intensity in its flavor and a quality. So the mangalitsa pigs, to the type of sheep, the type of cows. And the reason why they're different and they, they, they are smaller in their production is because they have longer lives. Uh, and they eat great food, and they have more space to to roam about of it on, so I take that principle in gardening that giving everything its time, look after it and nurture it, feed it well, and it'll give you the flavor that you 're looking for, which is really important, but you can't you can 't do that without great sun and great watering and good soil. so if the sun 's out, the rest is really down to me so it 's all about time, taking your time and enjoying the process and realizing that from from the soil to plate. There's nothing better.
1: Well, that's it. And actually, you know, that was it leads you on nicely because your, you know, your whole new ethos you've said it a couple of times in the show is about um getting people yourself and also you know teaching us and and, and everyone else about p- thinking about food from the soil up rather than the plate down. Um so, you know, this process um must have entirely changed the way you think about putting a dish together.
0: Yes, it does. It does because I've never I've never, looked at, I've never ever looked into the process of gardening or growing or the supply chain. I've only ever taken it for granted and never really ventured into it. My life has been in kitchens, and in the last few years, I've realized that there's, a, there's, a, there's an element in my education that needs the gap filling, and it is understanding what a grower does, what a farmer does, the importance of the landscape, the country, and where we buy our food and how we eat it. And the reason why I've never looked into that is because I've always been in the chef's jacket in a kitchen and so my life has been about picking up a phone, talking to a supplier, and it gets delivered. If I like what's in front of me, I buy it. If I don't, it goes back. But I don't really know the process of it, and so I've never looked into it, and so now is my time. So as I, the point of it is as I go through this learning journey as a chef and as a writer, uh, I want to bring the viewer that watches the show and that listens and, and reads what I do to come along with that journey with me because I I, I get... I've spent my whole life with people saying to me, we watch cookery shows, we read the books, the magazines, and we then realize it's so complicated, it's so difficult. How do you do it? Why do you do it so well and I can't do it? I have that same feeling about gardening. Um, I'm a beginner, and so I need to learn a lot. And by being a beginner, I want to bring people that understand what I want to do journey on that journey with me because everything that I do ends up as a plate of food. And so I'm taking that for gardening food in a completely different way. And I think as a chef, I can bring more to the normal gardening show or the normal farming show. What I'm doing is bringing those two together and putting food into the equation, cookery into the equation. So it's bringing three things together that generally are kept very separate from a TV-making point of view. So that was the whole point of, of me doing this, and that's why... I think it's so important to to understand the complexity of growing, but also the enjoyment of it because it is very, very satisfying and very frustrating at the same time. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we all have our moments in the garden, you know. With all the best will in the world, sometimes things just don't go the way we plan. Um, but no, it was lovely seeing you on on the show with with some of your the apprentice cooks, and I yeah. think you know you saying there that you know it's about you know we're always all learning, and and it was so nice because you know you could see that at first maybe they were like you know wanting to get things right, and you you just put them at ease and, and made them realise that you know it's okay, we're all learning here, and um, you know go and have a, a rummage in the garden, and we can talk about it and discuss it. And I think that's what's nice it, just making it very democratic so that everyone you know can realise that if you don't know how to garden, we, let's just start today. We can start tomorrow because if the garden community is one thing, it's very inclusive and, and very friendly. And everyone does like to swap notes, don't they? So um, it certainly comes across. Um, so we saw a piece I loved. Um, it was about all of the edible flowers. And, and um, we saw you kind of learning about edible flowers and, and how to stuff and deep fry gladioli. And of course, you've got all the lovely, pretty nasturtiums on top of the focaccia Bread that you made um, so are there any unusual or adventurous um, or edible flowers or veg varieties that um, you're now going to go on to trial this season that have you know spurred on from that moment
0: i think there are there are there, there are already quite a lot and i think i didn't realize that flowers well the, the bunch of flowers i found in the in the show that were you know were edible and i think there are a lot of things in the garden that you don't know about so they're already there i think it's a case of actually picking them and eating them Rather than just looking at them, and thinking they look beautiful, and that's something that that I've I've found you know really interested and taken for granted. And I think what what I'm about to do now is to 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 go and speak to Anatolia about what we're going to do next. I mean, there's some things in the garden that you know I do find quite interesting. I mean, even just from the the the, the sunflowers, the, the petals that you can eat and look at and use, and how you let them die back, take the seeds off them, and plant them again. It's that whole reprocessing that using what you've got and then remembering about next season. I think horseradish has been an interesting one for me because it sort of sits underground for so long and sprouts up all the way through you know, through, through the summer months. And then, But it's all about time. I mean, all of my horseradish is still in the ground from last year, I'm just getting bigger and stronger. I'm looking forward to the shoots coming back up again because it's a reminder that it's there um borage flowers for instance and borage things uh, are, are borage flowers i really enjoy because they're so so colorful and so delicious so i want to do more of the the familiar flowers that i see in restaurant kitchens and put more of them uh nasturgeon was massive in my garden and i couldn't use it so what i want to do is tie that back sm- make it smaller and start to introduce other things into the garden uh, as well i think also wild herbs um Jekka Jekka McVicar showed me, you know, various different types of different things. She's amazing. I think the szechuan pepper that she gave me is the most interesting one that's in my in my garden. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so that's the most unusual thing in the garden <laughs> at the moment. It blew my head off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and tasting the the spice levels exactly, yeah. you know. You have the glass of water ready, and yeah, you know, no, no that was it was. And I think, yeah, Jackie, like you said, it's um, it's it's seeing these people, and um, you know, gardeners like her and growers like her and you see the enthusiasm that comes through, and and just watching you guys swapping notes, and it, you know, it really does show on the screen to us viewers. It was it was wonderful to see. Um, so. What, we've just kind of spoken about the the Shetuan peppers, um, but you know what's been the sort of surprise crop or flavour to inspire a new dish? Um, I know the the pepper surprised you with the heat levels, but has there been something you know that's surprised you? you know something very humble um, that's inspired a new dish recently? That you know you, you've just thought of it in a very different way.
0: Oh, um, I think. I think if anything, and I'm going to come on to it later as well, I think the elephant garlic for me has been the one, the biggest surprise of all because you think of garlic as garlic and it's what it does, what, it, what it's used for. And I totally planted some elephant garlic. In fact, you've actually done it two years on the run now. I've been really enjoying it and it's an inspiring ingredient because you, you don't tend to look at garlic as something to eat. You look at it as something that adds flavor or it's chopped up inside a, 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 a sauce or, or something else. But I think the elephant garlic has got more softer a softer much milder texture so cooking with it as in as you normally do with garlic but also making a garlic soup with it with wild garlic leaves as well that we find near the compost heap but also slicing it finely and introducing it into salads and not looking at it as this harsh flavor it's milder it's it, the bigger it is the more milder it becomes and I've really enjoyed that and that has inspired my enthusiasm for garlic as a as an eating ingredient rather than an addition to something else, which I really enjoy. It's beautiful. And I've planted a lot of that this year.
1: Oh, okay. So obviously that's it because of raw garlic obviously couldn't sometimes people think, oh no, you know, I, I, I would no thank you, raw garlic. But you know, something mellower like that and, and learning how to kind of use it in different ways. So I definitely one I'll have to add to my list for for this year. Um so obviously creating a kitchen garden is a lot of hard work as is you know all all gardening we all know but um if you've if you've not ever grown food at home before or maybe you're thinking of expanding your little veg patch in your garden um or possibly even taking on an allotment um knowing where to start of course can be a bit daunting so what time-saving tips can you share and any practical advice because i think it's maybe the time that sometimes is quite daunting for people um anything practical and time saving yeah
0: yeah i think i think um one thing i learned from everybody i met um it's about the look at your garden as a flat plan on a piece of paper draw the garden shape out and try look at it from above rather than from a a, a sort of ground level Um, and i think if i was starting again in a smaller garden um, I think one of the things I've learned is that sort of uh, raise beds for certain things and just raising your planting and growing area off the ground so you can, A, get closer to it, B, make it look like a nice feature, but also you can protect it as well. And that for me would be, you know, my tip. That's the thing that I I, I would do if, if I didn't have that particular kitchen garden because I just think that it gives you an element of control, segregating areas off. And it's a really nice looking feature as well. That that would be looking from above, plan it, but don't think short term, think long term as everything starts to grow.
1: So actually get the pencil and paper out and you know, a glass of wine and sit there and plan and, and before you stop buying all your seeds and you know, ordering and as, as we're all guilty of doing, actually sit down there and put pencil to paper and, and figure it out. I
0: did it, I did it for my new I did it for my new orchard. I sat on sat on the garden and did just that. And I drew out, I got a plan of the of the, of the uh, paddock where I put the new orchard. And I've, I've, I've started the process. I've got the apple trees planted. I've got the nut trees planted. Now I've created the fence. I was talking about a walkway through a wild meadow garden that I'm going to grow. And so rather than thinking, well, I'm just planting apple trees, I'm looking at the particular spaces. What am I going to do with it over the next 10 years? What would I, if I could... Look at it. If I could look at ten years into the future, what do I want this area to look like? That's the key for when you're doing whatever you're doing in the garden, and especially when you're planting trees and various different things together. You've got to think about when they grow and they become big, and that's what I I realised by the, through 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 the people that I met. Plan for the future. Don't just plan for tomorrow
1: don't think about what you know what will it look like this summer think about five years time ten years time um so of course we're speeding into growing season now and those long summer days ahead of us so what jobs do you most look forward to getting out in the sunshine and tackling in the garden you know we all have those jobs for me I think it's deadheading I find it just so therapeutic um what, what is it for you
0: um I would say it's the uniformity of growing that I quite like I like to see the lavender all in its rows, looking absolutely amazing. Um, the jobs that I enjoy are just the trimming up of things and made the neatening up of a garden, just checking that the weeds have been taken away. Grass cutting for me, I love because it just gives me time to think, um, and I just enjoy, you know, all the grass and knowing that in a couple of years that's going to be fresh compost, it's going to be fresh, fresh uh, feed for, for for the grass and understanding the compost heap. And understanding the growing of the garden itself. So I think using learning about composting for me was really important. And I think that when I look at the compost heap and I see it going through its two year, three year cycle, two year cycle that we've got going, you know, I'm digging into something that was cut two years ago and it's just full of full of nutrients, full of flavor. And I find that quite inspiring. So putting that onto the into the kitchen garden is, is one of my favorite things. Because it's like it's like feeding a family but you're feeding all your plants. It's the same thing.
1: That's it. And it's there's something just quite satisfying, isn't there, in the garden about not throwing anything away. It's that real circular idea, isn't it? And it's, it is, you know, lovely when you've, like, cut the grass, like you say, and you're not, you know, putting it out in the bin. It goes out for composting, and it does make you feel a little bit of spring in your step afterwards. You're doing good. Um So... Gardening, and we've seen this on the show, can make you feel um, so connected to community. Um, and we've seen some of the best growers join you on the show, and, and also just some some fantastic local people to you. And um, you've all been swapping your tips. So, what has been the best piece of advice you've learned from them?
0: They were great. Um, I think that the the message I got was share sharing. Um, think of the community. Think of your neighbour. Think of the people that need some food that, that you can put into a community fidge and be aware of what's around you. But I only, there was one lady I can't remember her name, but she, she her points were don't grow more than you can eat, so don't don't sort of overdo it because it, it can become just a waste. And I and I and I, and I sort of agree with that. Um, grow a little bit more, but grow lots of different varieties. Be prepared for failure because that's big thing you've got to be prepared for. And I think that was some of the best advice that I was given is just, just grow what you need
1: what you need and also the sharing like you say and, and if you've got some extra things or a glut of something passing it on and and swapping those seeds and things um, and lovely Mavica, of course um, was teaching you about propagating herbs and I certainly was kind of you know glued taking notes um, so are you now finding yourself constantly squirrelling away in the greenhouse you know with your snips and a dibber and, um, potting up cuttings every five minutes so again that's very therapeutic isn't it
0: <laughs> I, 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 I knew that when she was teaching me that I, I just know that my lifestyle won't allow me to do that. Anatoly does. Um, I don't have time to potter because I, I still have my other life. And so um, it was really interesting. <laughs> it was really interesting to see and to learn. But I think what I'm doing at the moment is looking forward to that down the future because it's something that I will do. Um, and I think that was, and watching watching her do it was brilliant. Uh, Anatoly does a lot of it because he, he be, he doesn't believe in buying much. He loves to be able to to use what we've got, do exactly that, and keep seeds and is forever using what's in front of him. And every now and again he'll buy some seeds for something new. But for him, it'll still start with a pack of seeds and not not going to a, a garden centre and buying a plant. Um and it's it's just fascinating to see how people look at the garden in you know in very, very different ways. But no, I won't be cutting and doing all that just yet
1: maybe you can take sort of a few things to the one of the kitchens and have a mindfulness hour with your chef you know up at at the counters doing some you're propagating um so we spoke about this a little bit earlier but we said about the you know of course it's the weather gods sometimes with gardening so from weather to pests You know, with all the best will and experience in the world, sometimes in the garden, things just don't work out as planned. So, any kitchen garden failures yet?
0: Oh, lots. I mean, I think we're forever fighting. I think that the the broccoli, the cabbages were a disaster. We thought we got them covered, but the snails, uh, not snails, the slugs and all the grubs, salad leaves, we're not into using sprays or anything like that. It's all natural. I've taken away all the, fencing so the rabbits are getting into the garden and you know what yeah there's a huge amount of failure in my garden um but that's does that's just because i like to quite like the look of it as it is i I don't want everything covered over i don't want everything sprayed and i don't mind sharing it with the wildlife and so i i i've got no issues with that at all if the wildlife gets my cabbages it's fine i can live without it
1: as long as they leave some for you exactly
0: (laughs) There's, there's enough there to share and also now we've got the ducks and chickens on the land uh they're very much uh, attacking all the slugs so the the, the numbers are the, the stacked the, the odds are stacked against them now
1: yeah that's it maybe that's what i need to do then because yeah we have slugs a real slug problem and um, where we are in in oxfordshire and um maybe that's what i need to do then convince convince my husband that we need ducks now <laughs> add that yeah, to the to-do but list they'll do the job <laughs> Um, so, you know, some people are great gardeners and growers, but they find cooking a chore, you know. So what are your tips for making cooking with ingredients from the garden a fun experience?
0: Don't overthink it. Um, you don't need to overthink cookery because the the point, again, was uh, taking away the the stigma of complex cookery. And if you you will, if you saw the show, you saw me cook on that grill outside. I've never cooked on one of those in my life before. And so I just went at it and just burnt a few things, got things right. And I think you've got to do is fresh, well-grown well ingredients don't really need a great deal of things doing to them because they taste delicious. And so just keep it simple is the tip. And don't, don't, just don't overthink things. I think people are very surprised that when I'm cooking a dish, how, much, how many ingredients. So if I go into the garden and get rosemary for my lamb, they're amazed at the quantity of rosemary I'll get in my hand. You know, if I'm going to put rosemary with my lamb, I want to pack it full of flavor. Don't just go and get a couple of sprigs. Get loads of it in there. Just be generous. Don't be shy. The garden's there for for, for, for cutting and eating. Use it. You know, absolutely use it. So be generous with your your ingredients and get them into your pans. And, And don't be afraid of it. Use it and use, you know, a lot of it.
1: So moving on to maybe gardening in a a smaller urban space. So, of course, you know, you're in London as well as out in Sussex. And so I'm sure you'll kind of, you know, you'll understand maybe about maybe only having a balcony or a smaller space to to grow in. So, you know, maybe it's just that, like we talk about the rosemary there, herbs growing in a trug or a few targeted pots of cut and come again salads on a balcony. It's as simple as that. So um, what are the three champion crops you'd harvest and use most in the kitchen if you were thinking about just having, you know, two or three in an urban space?
0: I think definitely hard herbs, which is your rosemary, your thyme, your bay leaf. Uh, I think are, are really important. Um, I think I learned about chili plants. I thought it was really quite cool, you know, growing a chili plant. is a really, really nice thing to do. Um, basil. Um, it's so widely used. We love pasta in this country. Get lots of basil. So it'll be lots of hard herbs, fresh basil, some, some chili plants. And maybe even if you can if you've got a bit more space, maybe a tomato plant because it's just great.
1: And, you know, you said until recently your life was very heads down in a busy kitchen. Um, has, the, has this been much, as much a well-being journey for you as a horticultural one about sort of slowing down and getting back to nature as well about, as, well as you know, growing ingredients to use in your, your lovely dishes?
0: Well, I found, I found that uh, you, you, it, it, I said a lot on the show about a change of life, a slowing down of life. There's no such thing as slowing down when you're in a garden. In fact, if anything, I feel like I've speeded up a little bit because there's so much work to do. Um, I think it's a mental health point of view. I think it's spending so much time inside a kitchen for so, so many years. You never really appreciate the outdoors. And then when you find the opportunity to get outdoors, you then start to realize what you've missed all your life. Uh, and I find that really, really encouraging. And so it's a well being place for me, as well as a, a project and a garden of food. Um, if I don't eat or get anything, or everything fails in my garden, the enjoyment of planting and growing is the bit that makes me feel good. And that I, I, I really enjoy that. But I'm not, you know, I don't look at the garden as a slowdown, I look at it as a long, ter- long term project. Um, and it just inspires me to do more, cook more, look at food in a different way, look at where we're buying our food. So even when we go to supermarkets now, if I'm anywhere where there's a farmer's market or somewhere that's local, I'll always venture into there before I go to, or my wife will go to a supermarket. And so I'm very cautious now about what we buy for our fruit and veg and our and our, and our ingredients from supermarkets. And we're trying to encourage, I'm trying to encourage people to, to cook for more fresh food. Um, and to do that, we need more, you know great fresh produce and if you can grow a little bit of your own then fantastic it's even one thing is better than nothing
1: absolutely absolutely so if you could, could go back and rewind and maybe you're back at catering college what would you do differently would you get involved with growing and gardening from the start
0: no no i wouldn't change anything no i wouldn't because i wouldn't be sitting here today if i changed the change the past um, and I think one of the p- biggest problems you sometimes get in kitchens is the distraction of the outside world. Um, being, being in the position I'm in is about my 34 years of focus. Um, I'm only discovering this now, but I can also, I'm at an age where I can appreciate it a lot more than I would if I was 20 years old or 30 years old. And so that was not my thinking back then. And so I wouldn't change the young me. I would just let it carry on as it was because I've enjoyed every minute of it. And now that I'm benefiting from the garden, I'm benefiting in the garden at the right time of my life. That's why that's how I look about. I never look back in regret at all. I only look forward to the future. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. So, if you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And we'll see you next time.